Welcome to Blackness in the Workplace, the podcast. We are on season three, but our mission has never changed. We unapologetically center, promote, build, and support the needs of Black professionals both inside and outside the workplace. All day, every day, 365 days of the year. We do this using the big three C's, connections, conversations, and collaborations. Why? Because our voices matter, our lives matter, and our experiences matter. I'm your host and founder of Blackness in the Workplace, Jessica. I'm glad you're here. Let's get this show started. Hey everybody, welcome to the final episode in season three of Blackness in the Workplace. I am again your host, Jessica. So I'm really excited about this episode. Um, If you rock with us from the beginning, then you always know that the beginning of every season and the end of every season is just me getting on the mic, wrapping things up and kind of giving you a purview as to what season four will look like and beyond. So that's what this episode is today. So Um, Let's get started. So um, these episodes are never really scripted. I don't script my final, my intro or my outro episodes. Um, I just don't do that. I just feel like speaking what's on my mind and just letting it go. It feels like it has been forever since I've talked with you. So I want to give you an update about my life and what's going to happen with blackness in the workplace and just go from there. So I have finally relocated. So if you listen to season, um, the first episode in our season, I talked about, you know, me moving out of state. I was initially living in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and then I decided for a number of reasons that I'm going to actually go into more detail about, I decided to move and relocate to Seattle. That was a huge deal. Uh, when it came to relocation, it was something that I always knew I wanted to do. I knew that I never wanted to spend the rest of my life in Milwaukee. I knew that for professional and personal reasons, that if I was going to really grow in my career and get to where I wanted to be, I had to say peace out to Milwaukee. Um, and initially, I wanted to move to Chicago. If you know me, you know I love Chicago. That is my city. It is my favorite place to be. And I really did try to look for opportunities in the Chicago market. And there was a lot of things that were happening, but it became very clear that Chicago was not the right place for me either. And um, an opportunity opened up here in Seattle and I took it. And now here I am. I actually live in a suburb of Seattle because Seattle (laughs) is really expensive. So I live in Renton, even though I could have afforded to live in the city if I wanted to, but this actually turned out perfect because I am very close to my job I am near all the stores and the things that I want to do and I'm somebody I don't need to live in the happenings anymore the hot spots I'm very comfortable living in a quiet suburb minding my business and just doing what I gotta do so it all worked out for the best but yeah I am relocating so I have relocated so I am in Seattle It's too early right now to give anybody an update on how I feel about Seattle right now. Um, I do like it. I do like it a lot. Um, It's more expensive. Obviously, it's the West Coast. That doesn't really bother me. I make good money. That's not the issue. It's beautiful. The mountains are gorgeous. But give me some more time, and I definitely will dedicate an episode about 
Seattle and what I like and what I don't like. Um, I do live in Renton, as I said before, and Renton does have a black population. It's a very diverse area of Seattle. When I first went to Seattle in March of 2021, I was really in the white areas of Seattle because a lot of my friends live on the northern side of Seattle, and northern Seattle is white, very white. And that's what I saw. So I'm glad, like, a friend of mine's recommended Renton. I'm glad that I'm in Renton because it's more diverse. You got black people, Latinos, Polynesians, Asians. It's just more diverse, and that's what I prefer. So it all worked out. So let's talk about, like, the process of me deciding to relocate to Seattle, applying for jobs, and the, th and the reason why, and the things that I noticed because that deserves some talk. In the beginning of the year, I just felt very. I was at my I was at my other job. I worked um, at a chemical manufacturing company in Milwaukee, and it was one of those things where I felt like it was really coming to an end. And you and you feel that. I always talk about every job has an end date, and mine was coming up, and I can feel it like this. This job has run its course. I'm not feeling challenged. I'm not. I'm not liking it anymore. My manager who, she wasn't a bad manager. She just wasn't very good at her job. She, there was a lot of things about her that she, I always say that if she works somewhere else, she'll be fired because she just, she's incompetent for lack of a better word. There was a lot of things she just didn't know. And I was like, you know, I don't like Milwaukee. I know the Bucks just won the championship and everyone's, you know, oh, Milwaukee, but a lot of people, repping Milwaukee don't even live in Milwaukee anymore and I'm like I don't like it here I don't like how black people are treated in Milwaukee especially black professionals there's a reason why Milwaukee suffers a brain drain when it comes to black professionals black, black talent there's a reason why black people leave they go to Atlanta they go out to the east coast they go out to the west coast they don't stay and over the years you see that there's a lot of hostility towards black professionals in Wisconsin and I talk about that all the time. A lot of the things that I went through um, ha were with jobs in Wisconsin, obviously. And um, the more educated you are, the more ambitious you are as a black person in Wisconsin, the more they try to hold you back. And then I look at the black community in Milwaukee. There's no large black middle class in Milwaukee. And there's a lot of reasons for that. I mean, Milwaukee is very heavily segregated. There's not a lot of really good, well-paying jobs on the north side where the majority of black people live. You got to go out into the suburbs, which presents its own sets of problems. And it's just, you're just like, what future is there for me? And I kept asking myself over and over, and I'm like, do I, do I really want to stay here? Do I want to raise a family here? And the answer was no. So in March... No, in February, I was talking to a friend of mine, and she, she and I are Facebook friends. I've been connected with her for years. I didn't know that she lived in Seattle. I never knew that. And I was talking to her, and she was like, yeah, I live in Seattle. And Seattle was always one of those places that I thought about, but I thought it was just too far-fetched for me to ever live there. Too far, too expensive, you know. And she was just telling me about all the opportunities that are out here. You know, Seattle's a tech hub. You have all these big-name companies here. You got Microsoft, Amazon, Starbucks, Google, Facebook. You got all these companies out here. And in addition to that, 
is a lot more progressive, not only in terms of his workplace policies, working from home and flexibility and the benefits they offer and what have you, but the city itself is a lot more progressive when it comes to LGBT rights, Black Lives Matters, a lot of different things. Granted, is white liberalism, and I always say white liberals can be very problematic. They can be even more problematic than white conservatives. But when you realize that, there's ways to navigate it. And she said, you will find a much better chance here. You will find better opportunities. You have what they're looking for. You, you will be successful here. And so I decided to make a trip to Seattle. And so in March, I went just to visit Seattle. I actually had lunch with a um, gentleman who worked at Microsoft and did some talking with him because at the time I was very focused on Microsoft. I really wanted to work there. I'd done a lot of research into the company and I really liked what I saw at the time. And I really like the city. It's beautiful. You know, you have the mountains, you have the water. I mean, it's just a beautiful city. For the most part, it's, pre it's pretty clean. And I just loved it. It was a huge Black Lives Matter sign on one of the buildings when I went downtown Seattle. And um, there's a lot of stores there. I mean, overall, it was a really good experience. And I, when I came back, I just knew that I was going to do everything I can to relocate. When I got back, um, my father, my father's health has not been the greatest, but it declined really quickly. We found out that he had cancer. And so at my last job, I went to my manager and I said to her, I said, well, can I go back to working from home at least two days out the week because my niece is still out of school because of COVID. My sister has to work. My mom has to work. I just need flexibility so I can handle this family situation. And let me tell you, this woman was probably the most insensitive person. She did not want to flex. She was like, you, you got to be in the office now full time. And I said, why? I've been working from home for several months now, two days out of the week. It hasn't been an issue. I'm telling you that this is going on. My father's going to chemo, this, that, and the other. She did not want to work with me. She told me straight up that if I need to be at home, I'd either need to be on FMLA, which is um, family medical leave, which is unpaid, or I have to use my PTO, my paid time off. So essentially, I either stay home and not be paid if I'm on FMLA, or I got to burn through my vacation time because you don't want me to work from home, which means I'm not going to have any vacation to hours at all. And I was at the point, too, where, again, the job had run its course already. I started to see the manager for who she was. I was no longer very engaged in the position. And my philosophy is... If you don't want to work with me, I don't want to work with you. If you're not going to be flexible, you're not going to be willing to meet me halfway, why should I do that for you? And so I think on the 31st, I emailed her boss and I told him what was going on. I said, this is the situation. He never messaged me. He never got back to me. And then the next day, I just gave her a notice. I said, I quit. You know, I was like, I'm not going to have anyone dictate to me what my schedule is. I'm a grown woman. I'm a professional. I've been doing this for years. And if again, if you don't want to work with me, I don't want to work with you. And so she was, she didn't respond. I think she was pretty shocked that I told her that I wasn't going to put up with that. And I actually gave her two weeks notice and I didn't finish the full two weeks. I just was over it. I, it was less than a week and I quit. 
no regrets at all. Um, I'm actually glad that I did that because the interview process for a lot of these companies out here in Seattle are brutal. And I was interviewing left and right every single week. It was crazy. I'm not going to go into the details on all that. But like Amazon, Microsoft, and even the company that I'm at now, they do what's known as loop interviews, which is like interviews that last between four to six hours all day. It's brutal. I wasn't prepared for that. And the amount of time spent interviewing, I wouldn't have been able to work full time anyway. So I was very fortunate in this process that I had savings. So it wasn't like I was broke or, you know, struggling to pay rent. You know, I had savings and um, building a lot of connections, a lot of networking. It was a lot of work to get out here. <laughs> it was a lot um, breaking through that. But I did get me a, a new job, which I'm really excited about. I just started. And that process was very smooth. Um, I was I ended up being very disappointed with Microsoft with some of the processes they did in the end. But if if in the future another really great opportunity opens up there, who knows? You know, I'm not closing the door on that. But again, I am here in Seattle. I'm in Brenton. And I'm liking it so far. You know, I'm learning how to get around, kind of getting the feel of the people here, doing what I have to do. I sold everything. I moved out here with really nothing. So I had to kind of build from scratch and build everything up. But I'm happy. So I'm, I'm glad as a black woman that I'm no longer in Milwaukee. I still have family there. So I was. I definitely will be visiting Milwaukee. Um, probably not the rest of this year. But I will be visiting Milwaukee. But I'm glad that I don't live there anymore. I, I don't see myself ever moving back to the Midwest. If for some reason I was to move back to the Midwest, which at this point is very unlikely, it would be Chicago. And if it's not Chicago, then I don't want the Midwest. Outside of Chicago, there's nowhere in the Midwest that I would really even want to deal with. Chicago is it. And if it's not Chicago, again, I don't want it. Um, but there was a lot of companies in Chicago, too, that were problematic. A, a lot of the issues that I talk about as black professionals isn't just limited to Milwaukee. There is some of that in Chicago as well, but it's because it's a much bigger city, there's still much more opportunities. But Milwaukee is toxic. Um, Milwaukee is very problematic for, for black people, and they struggle with keeping quality black talent in the city because people flee. If you can get out of Milwaukee, you get out of Milwaukee. And people do that. And Milwaukee is struggling to try to bring those people back, but they don't have anything to offer. And there's parts of Milwaukee that are gorgeous. The lakefront is beautiful. Love the lakefront. But it's, it has to be more than that. There's hardly any investments into the north side of Milwaukee. That's Again, that's where a large population of black folks live. And it, it has had some serious repercussions. And then also just dealing with white Wisconsinites. White people. You know, the job that I got now here in Seattle... I never would have been able to get in Milwaukee. It's a senior level role. I should have already been at a senior level role in Milwaukee with my work experience. But it's so hard to move up and to break through that ceiling. You know, my work in diversity and inclusion and equity and my work with blackness in the workplace. In Milwaukee, that's seen as a liability. When I worked at Harley Davidson, my manager at the time, she was like, you know, you gotta be careful about what you post. You know, but here, 
they're like, we love what you do. We love the work that you do. We love that you have a podcast. We love that you're very active and you're, you're, you, you really care about these issues because the companies out here, for better or for worse, they're really trying to do a lot of that diversity and inclusion work. Now, we, I've said, too, that sometimes a lot of it can be performative, but I don't really get the sense of that with the company that I work with right now or my manager, but time will tell, you know. So I'm, I'm really glad that I made the decision to do what I had to do and to break free. And a struggle with it, you know, with my father being sick and my mom being what she is and all that. But I don't regret it. I'm, I'm very happy here. So that is um, what's going on in my personal life right now. I had to put off a lot of the work with blackness in the workplace for the last few weeks. It feels so long. Um, since I recorded an episode all the episodes that are rolling out now are pre-recorded <laughs> I always pre-record my episodes so I can keep things going but in the next few weeks I will be doing a lot more um, interviewing and getting season 4 ready to go so season 4 what's on the agenda for that in terms of the content I really want to go back to rebuilding Black Wall Street part two and going and taking a deeper dive into subjects such as housing, talking about finances, real estate investments, how to do investments, all those different things. So I am going to be really reaching out to folks, getting some really great people to speak. I already got a really strong lineup of people, so I'm really excited about that. I'm going to be seeing who else I can reach out to. So if you're listening to this episode and you have a background in finance, whatever that may be, please feel free to reach out. We'd love to talk with you and learn more. Um, CNN did um, Rebuilding Black Wall Street a few months ago where they finally kind of talked about it. A lot of people don't know what happened with Black Wall Street. I highly recommend that you, you know, look that up. And, and if you follow Blackness and Workplace on Twitter and LinkedIn and all that good stuff, we always put content out there to educate people. So all of that is there. But essentially, it was a community in Tulsa where the black population, despite discrimination and segregation, really built their own communities. And that's something that I'm a big advocate for, being very insular, keeping the black dollars within the black community as much as possible. I mean, they had movie theaters, hotels, shops, um, all these different things. And it was all black owned and all the money circulated within the black community. And there were black people who were millionaires and the black people were middle class and it was a very thriving community. And what happened was, or what triggered it was an incident that happened between a white woman, of course, and a black man where she accused this black man of assaulting her. And the white people in the community was already haters. They were already jealous and upset about this community that was thriving because poor white people or working class white people hate seeing black people do well. They're okay with rich white folks. But they hate black people who are doing well because they feel like that should not be the case. And so um, they destroyed the community, destroyed Black Wall Street, destroyed it, destroyed this whole community. They said that there was actually even bombs being dropped on these people, killed so many people, ran these people out of town. And so many black brothers and sisters lost everything. And never, many, ne many never even came back. They were so scared and they just felt like, why? So it's more to the story than that, but that is Black Wall Street. That's what people are referring to. Now, um, over 100 years later, and there's still people alive who were there that day. They actually interviewed a brother and sister. She was 106 years old. And 
she talked about it she was a witness she spoke on it um now in um tulsa there is still a street there's still black businesses there there is still this effort to keep the memory of black wall street alive but it's never the going to be the same at least for now at the level that it was back in the 1920s which is really unfortunate and there's a history of that whenever black people get land whenever black people come up and really do what the american dream promises us then you get this white backlash that comes through and again if like i talk about milwaukee milwaukee is the same way you know you get black people who are educated and accomplished and successful and then you get this white backlash where they're held back for promotional opportunities from opportunities to grow and advance and thrive and then we have to leave and go someplace else and that's my story as it relates to that but then overall black wall street is also a really great example of that so i wanted to do my part again and really take the things that we talked about because in the first black wall street we talked about the basis we talked about what credit was how to manage money redefining wealth um black owned businesses now let's take a deeper dive into those concepts so that's what this um what that series is going to be in season four so more to come on that but get excited because we are really going to be educating and uplifting our listeners like we always do and then the other series that we're going to be doing is really talking about education um and this that's pretty broad we're going to be talking about k-12 education um talking about academia talking about access to education what that means job skills all those different things the barriers to entry when it comes to stem careers especially me being out here in seattle is such a huge tech hub and they struggle with trying to find black talent that doesn't mean that it doesn't exist but we need to talk about some of the barriers that are in place that impacts people from being able to access those classes and getting that education and why having a career in stem really matters especially in these days so um, again, more to come on that, but that's also another really good series. And it's sort of a spinoff of the Black and Tech series that I did um, back in season two. So really, really, really good content there. And then as I move forward, now that I'm settled um, in Seattle and, and really ready to move forward, I really want to do some more collaborations, talking to people, getting on other podcasts, having other people in minds. Um, you know, I really want to do more with that. And so, again, as I as I build and as I grow, if you're subscribed to my newsletter and subscribe to our website, I do send out updates on all of those good things. So, that those are the things that's coming down the pipeline with Blackness in the Workplace um, and the process of updating the website and getting more content out there. Again, if there's anything that you want to hear on the seat, uh, like any topics that you want us to discuss, anything you know suggestions are always welcome so as i as i built this i'm a one woman show so i want to make sure that i um get the content out there so that's it for right now um i always like to keep these episodes short you know season finale but i look forward to season four and i want to thank our longtime listeners who've been rocking with blackness in the workplace and supporting and uplifting us we keep growing i get reports from my podcast um site on how many listeners are are tuning in how many downloads and all that other good stuff that people have so i really appreciate all of that and we will keep going we will keep rocking and know that i'm in a better place to be able to do that and i again i appreciate y'all your support and love so season four will be coming out in about a month and a half so look out for that 
And I hope you enjoy the content that is going to be out there. So, until then, take care. Peace and love. That's a wrap. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. We sure did. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, or even suggestions, please go to our website at www.blackestintheworkplace.com and let us know. Otherwise, you can follow us on our social media pages. We are on Twitter at AnnBlackness. We are on Facebook, Instagram, as well as LinkedIn. Just go to our website to learn more. See you next episode.